0: Well hello everyone and welcome to the History of Things podcast. I'm your host Mark and today we're going to be talking about the Winchester Repeating Arms Company history. If you're new to the podcast thank you so much for tuning in. I hope I can keep you entertained and if you're a repeat customer then an extra big thank you to you as well. So happy that you're all here. We got lots to talk about. This will be the longest episode I've created as of yet. And we've got a really interesting tidbit at the end, so you're going to want to stay tuned for this. We're going to be talking about one of the widows of the Winchester Empire. You're not going to believe some of this stuff. Stay tuned. Before I start, I just wanted to give a shout out and basically dedicate this episode to a few close friends of mine. Back around 2013, there was a few of us that started target shooting together, and it was a really fun time. You just go out to the bush, find a safe place to set up tents and tables, and just shoot for the day, and it was a lot of fun. And I I definitely definitely miss it. So Dale, Melissa, Clint, George miss you guys and let's hope we can do this again sometime soon. I also wanted to do a short plug here for a business that I believe very highly in and that's Paul Carter Automotive and and he is located in the lower mainland of British Columbia, Canada basically uh on the outskirts of Abbotsford and Langley. So if you are in need of an honest incredibly brilliant mechanic paul is definitely the guy that you are wanting to see i've known him for years he looked after a fleet of vehicles for the company that i was working with before never took advantage of us was always honest and just an amazing an amazing knowledgeable guy he's got a huge heart he loves to do right by his customers he's won some pretty crazy awards and he's even got over a hundred five star ratings on Google, which is pretty impressive. So Paul or 604-854-1775 is his phone number. Again, he's in the lower mainland of uh, British Columbia, Canada. Even if you live an hour away from him or something, he is definitely worthy of the trip. I now live four hours away from Paul. And I've made the trek down for some major automotive work on my vehicles. And he saved me a ton of money, educated me that much more. And uh, yeah, I'll never stop going to him. So check him out. You won't be disappointed. Okay, on with the show. So there was this guy named Oliver Fisher Winchester, and he saw a future in firearms. And eventually, with a bit of time, he developed this amazing empire that we all have heard of today. And it revolved around the Lever Action Rifle. So he had a couple of colleague investors, and their names were Benjamin Tyler Henry and Nelson King. The Winchester Repeating Arms Company was officially born on May 22, 1886. So Winchester himself was born in 1810, and his very first business was a fabricator of men's shirts, believe it or not, but he soon caught on to the potential that firearms might have economically. He began to get some investors going, and with enough venture capital, in 1857, he brought the controlling interest to a company called the Volcanic Repeating Arms Company. So, during the next 14 years, Winchester worked tirelessly to find new market opportunities while creating new products altogether. As the American West opened up to settlement, this is where Winchester prospered and with time became the iconic company that we all know today. So according to my research on the WinchesterGuns.com website, the Winchester Company, for lack of terminology split up into two divisions the firearm side and then the ammunition side the first ever model of the Winchester firearm to be produced was called the model 1866 yellow boy and it was a lever action rifle so for those of you who may not know much about firearms when I mention the words lever action it means that the rifle has a lever by the trigger and when this lever was used it ejected the spent bullet casing and inserted a fresh bullet into the chamber i'm sure you would have seen these rifles on on the old movies with john wayne and and any of those the other rifles will be a bolt action these have a lever that's on top of the rifle that usually is above the trigger and you flip this thing up and pull it back towards you and that also flicks out the spent cartridge and puts a fresh one into the chamber and there's also something called a break action and this is when you literally break the rifle in half to open it up and the spent casing will, will shoot out, you put a fresh one in, it's usually by hand The rifle then gets folded back into one piece and it's ready to shoot. And over time there was a fourth action that came out and it was called the pump action. And this was also for shotguns but I believe they used it for some center fire rounds as well. And so there's there's a section of the rifle that your hand goes onto underneath the barrel and you slide it back and forth. And as you're doing that, again, it ejects the spent casing and puts a fresh one into the chamber and the gun's ready to fire again. There was a new fancier rifle that came out in 1868. It was essentially basically the Yellow Boy, but it had some fancy engravings in the brass section by the trigger. These engravings were done by a couple of people, one of which was named L.D. Nimsky and the Ulrich brothers hopefully I pronounced those right and it was an incredible work of art these rifles looked really amazing and I'm sure they'd be quite the collector piece that to this day in 1869 saw the completion of the transcontinental railroad and this of course is what helped to fuel the expansion of Winchester firearms the National Rifle Association was formed in 1871 in New York, with the US Army General Ambrose Burnside as president. A new rifle called the Model 1873 Lever Action was introduced in 1873. It was a 44 WCF, which stands for Winchester Center Fire. So it was a 44 in caliber, which is basically the size of the bullet, and the rifle would strike the bullet in the center of the bullet itself at the back to set it off. The rifle was known as the gun that would win the West. There was over 700,000 of them made. So to better explain the bullets themselves, the majority of the bigger caliber rifles and handguns are using a center fire method. So a sharp pin basically hits the bullet dead center at the back of the bullet and that's what sets it off then you have the smaller gauge rifles like the 22 and they are called rim fire so the hammer or the striker basically hits the bullet cartridge on the side of it at the back of the bullet to set it off hopefully that makes a bit more sense there was an article In the Winchester catalog in 1875 that was written by a William F Cody also known as Buffalo Bill in his article he said I pronounce your improved Winchester the boss so if you haven't noticed by now uh, in the beginning the early stages of the Winchester company they would name their rifles after the year that they were introduced in so in 1876, there was a centennial model 1876 lever action that was introduced, the favorite rifle of the Dakota rancher Theodore Roosevelt. And he wrote, quote, the Winchester is by all odds the best weapon I've ever had, and now I use it almost exclusively, End quote. 1876 was also the year that Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer, and 267 of his soldiers were killed near the Little Bighorn River. The majority of his troops were armed with single-shot carabins, while many of the indigenous people were armed with Winchester repeating rifles. So you would have to load this, the single-shot rifles after every single shot, whereas the repeating rifles... The rifle itself would restore a fresh bullet in there by itself, making it much faster to shoot again. Winchester introduces the rival line of shot shell components for reloaders. And in 1880 would be the year that Oliver F. Winchester dies at the age of 70. He was in New Haven, Connecticut. The first bolt-action rifle from Winchester made its appearance in 1883. It was named the Model 1883 Winchester 3rd Model Hodgkiss Magazine Gun. There's a mouthful. Apparently, there was also a gentleman's agreement that took place that same year between Colt and Winchester. Winchester had begun to experiment with revolvers. Colt and Winchester were able to come to an agreement where Colt would stick to revolvers and Winchester would stick to lever-action rifles. Colt was pretty smart there. They knew they were going to get slaughtered, I guess, by Winchester. Also in 1883, it was the year that T.G. Bennett of Winchester purchased the manufacturing rights to a new single-shot rifle that was designed by John M. Browning. So two years later, the model 1885 single shot was introduced and you guessed it, it was the model 1885, adapt to tiny rim fires and the largest, most powerful ammunition this rifle is still being made to this day. The model 1886 lever action rifle debuted in 1886. The rifle was designed to use bigger ammo like the 4570 government and the loaded shot shell rifles from winchester also made their debut in 1886 with the rival shells coming in 10 12 14 16 and 20 gauges 1887 was the year that the model 1887 lever action repeating shotgun was introduced that definitely changed the shotgun world for sure and then a new pump action 22 rimfire rifle the model 1890 along with new 22 caliber ammo was introduced in the corresponding year two years later the model 1892 lever action rifle was introduced and it was chambered to use ammo from popular pistols winchester invented smokeless gunpowder and they started to use that in their ammunition in 1893. The following year, in 1894, was the best-selling lever-action center rifle in the U.S., of course, called the Model 1894. And you'll notice as we go through the history here that that number comes up quite often. Gilding metal jacketed bullets were also introduced by Winchester in 1894. The next year the model 1895 centerfire was introduced with an internal box magazine that safely handled modern pointed bullets this was apparently one of roosevelt's favorites in 1895 was also the year that commercial smokeless centerfire cartridges were introduced including the thirty thirty 30 winchester So when paired with the Model 1894, it was the most famous deer rifle and ammo combo ever. Winchester would manufacture the 6mm Lee Straight Pull Musket Rifle for the US Navy in 1895. The best-selling pump-action shotgun was introduced by Winchester in 1897 with, of course, the same model number. And there was a custom engraving catalog that was introduced in 1897 called the Highly Finished Arms. It's still a source of inspiration to this day for firearm engravers. In the same year, Winchester introduced the new rival factory-loaded shot shells. In 1900, Winchester would introduce the repeater waterproof paper hull shot shells. 1902 saw the introduction of the model 1902 single-shot 22 rimfire, which became a famous part of the Winchester Junior Rifle Corp. range kit. In 1903, the model 1898 breech-loading single cannon was introduced for the 10-gauge blank shotgun shells. Winchester gave the Belmore Johnson Company exclusive license rights. So, breech loading is just another name for break action, like the shotguns we talked about earlier. So, breech loading is basically the same term as break action in regards to the shotguns that we were talking about earlier. There were a few different things that happened in 1905. A new brand of shot shells came out called New Black that were loaded with black powder. Then, the first self loading center rifle was introduced in 1905 it was of course called the model 1905 and it was the first model to have a detachable magazine box 1905 was also the year that Winchester adapted the famous WP oval mark that they called the hallmark of quality a couple years later 1907 saw the model 1907 a semi-auto centerfire rifle that was introduced with the new 351 Winchester self-loading smokeless cartridge. This firearm was used in 1912 by the US Army Air Service during their pursuit of the Mexican bandit Pancho Villa. Armed pilots and observers from Russia, France, and Great Britain were also some that used this firearm as well. The former US President Theodore Roosevelt and his son Kermit sailed from New York Harbor in 1909. With them was 15 crates of brand new Winchester rifles and ammo and spare gun parts for the year-long safari in Africa that was sponsored by Smithsonian Institution. Lesmock powder started to be used in centerfire cartridges in 1911. In 1912, the model 1912 pump shotgun is introduced. This firearm became the world's most popular and its design was the most respected of all time. In 1915 began the production of almost 250,000 Enfield pattern Number no. 14 bolt-action rifles that would equip the British Army for World War I. In the same year, Winchester also produced 300,000 model 1895 muskets for the Tsar Nicholas II of Russia. Two years later, in 1917, the Enfield No. 14 was modified to handle the U.S. standard .30-06 Springfield cartridge. This rifle would become the most widely used firearm by the American troops in World War II. and more than 500,000 of them were made. The Browning auto rifle was also quite popular in World War I and more than 47,000 were produced in 1918. Winchester also modified the model 1897 pump-action shotgun in 1918. The American soldiers grew to love what they called the quote-unquote trench boom. But I'm pretty sure the enemy troops had a different opinion on that one. The legendary 50 caliber machine gun cartridge was also introduced in 1918. It was a collaboration between Winchester and John M. Browning. In over half a decade's time, Winchester supplied more than 870,000 rounds of ammo to support the war efforts. A new trademark for Winchester was created by artist Philip R. Goodwin in 1918. It was a picture of a rugged cowboy riding a galloping horse with a Winchester rifle cradled in his arms. 1919 saw the introduction of the Model 52 Rimfire bolt-action target rifle. It would soon become the benchmark against which all others were measured. So in the same fashion that Coca-Cola did, Winchester started to brand a bunch of consumer products like roller skates, knives, hand tools, fishing reels, and this happened in 1919 as well. I actually have a Winchester pocket knife. It was inexpensive and works really well. I quite like it. A 410 chambered Model 20 was introduced in 1920 and it was introduced in the Winchester Junior Trap Shooting outfit. The legendary Super X branded shot shells came out in 1921. In 1922, Winchester products by now were represented in 5,600 retail outlets and approximately 25% of all hardware stores across the USA. A year later, Winchester would introduce the 3-inch Magnum shotgun shells. When they refer to a Magnum ammunition, it means that They are a more powerful round. In some cases, the firearm itself has to be made to fire off magnum ammunition. Not all firearms can handle the magnum rounds. The Model 54 Centerfire Bolt Action Rifle was introduced in 1925, as well as the Winchester 270 cartridge. The author, Jack O'Connor, made the flat shooting rounds famous throughout his writings. Both 1925 and 1927 saw the introduction of two new types or brands of ammo. The Ranger brand shot shells were in 1925 and the Luboloy copper plated bullets were in 1927. 1931 saw the Model 21 side-by-side shotgun introduction. This firearm established Winchester's rep for building top quality sporting arms. It was considered the premier American-made double. There was also a big change for Winchester in 1931. Winchester Repeating Arms Company was bought out by the Western Cartridge Company. This provided the working capital needed to develop new firearms that sported the Winchester brand. Dr. Fred Olson would patent a method of making smokeless powder underwater in a small spherical grains in 1932. This created an instant competitive advantage for Winchester ammo operation. So there were three new firearms that made an introduction in 1933. The Model 63 Rimfire Rifle, the Model 64 Lever Action Rifle, and the Model 42 Pump Action Rifle. Two years later in 1935, the Model 69 Bolt Action Rimfire Rifle was introduced. 1935 was also the year that Western and Smith & Wesson got together and produced the three hundred fifty seven Magnum cartridge. It was based on a lengthened .38 Special case and became one of the most popular cartridges in the USA. President Roosevelt set a capacity limit for migratory hunting rifles to a three-shell maximum. So Winchester began fitting their repeating shotguns with the ambiguous duck plug. And yes, we're still talking firearms here. This is a podcast for all ages. The legendary Model 70 centerfire bolt action began its production in 1936. It was designed specifically for sporting use and instantly gained an international reputation for its accuracy and reliability. And because of this, it soon became referred to as the rifleman's rifle. This remains Winchester's flagship product. And with constant improvements and refinement, the production of the Model 70 is well into its millions up to this day. 1936 also saw the introduction of the Model 71 lever action centerfire rifle. And at this time, it was also the time when the new 348 Winchester cartridge came out. In 1936 was a very busy year, apparently, because two more things actually were introduced. One of which was the Winchester rifled slugs, and they replaced the single-round ball shotgun load. And the other was the Model 37 single-shot shotgun. The shotgun was perfect for teaching young shooters. A new tax was imposed on firearms and ammunition, and it was called the Pittman-Robertson Act. This was a 10% tax that showed up in 1937, and it created revenue to protect the wildlife habitat. The M1 Garand was developed by Winchester in 1939. With the threat of war lurking, Winchester had an order of 65,000 units to make for the US Army. Throughout the war, more than half a million of these rifles were made, and only Winchester was entrusted to make them. In 1939 was another big year for Winchester, with the introduction of their silver-tip rifle bullets. It was also the year that John Wayne rose to stardom. In the movie Stagecoach, John Wayne's large-loop Winchester Model 1892 carbine would become one of his lasting trademarks on the silver screen. It would only take 13 days for the Winchester engineers to develop a light military carbine and cartridge combo, and they delivered it to the government evaluators. Winchester devoted a majority of their production capacity to allied war efforts. They built 800,000 of the 6 million M1 carbines that were made during the war. General Henry R. Hap Arnold was presented the one millionth model 12 shotgun by Winchester in 1943. In 1944, General George S. Patton, Jr. stated that the M1 Garand is, quote, the greatest battle implement ever devised, end quote. So Winchester made a special M1 Garand specifically for him. The height of the wartime production was in 1945. Winchester related firms employed more than 60,000 workers. Over 15 billion rounds of ammo were delivered to American troops from Winchester facilities and Winchester managed US government plants. An improvement to the shotgun shell was also introduced in 1945. It was called the super seal cup wad. It boosted shot load velocities and prevented the gases from entering the shot chamber. The movie Winchester 73 was released in 1950, starring Jimmy Stewart. The rifle he used in the movie was a Model 1873 that was on loan from the Winchester Repeating Arms Company Museum. There was a new featherweight variant of the Model 70 that was introduced in 1952. The stock of this rifle would soon become a signature profile for the quote-unquote rifleman's rifle. The Winchester 308 cartridge was also introduced in 1952. It became the standard of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, better known as NATO. A 640-acre farm called Nilo Farms was designated as a hunting and shooting facility in Godfrey, Illinois. This farm was created so Winchester could improve their ongoing product and development and field testing and modern game management. A well-known actor by the name of Chuck Connors had a hit TV series called The Rifleman in 1958. In the show, his favorite chosen firearm was a model 1892 with a custom large D-ring shaped lever loop. The year 1960 brought on two new firearms and two new ammunition cartridges. The Model 100 auto-loading auto-loading center-fire rifle which became really popular with hunters for its faster repeat shots. And the new M14 rifle for the military, 350,000 of the 1.3 million were made by Winchester. And both the 264 Winchester Magnums and the 338 Winchester Magnums were introduced in 1960 as well. The next two years also saw introduction of new ammo. 1961 saw a new PowerPoint bullet that provided more rapid expansion through thick skin game. In 1962 saw the new Winchester Mark V shot collar ammo. They enclosed the shot column which greatly improved the pattern of performance. It would be a busy year for Winchester again in 1963. First the 200 series rimfire rifles were introduced. They came in different actions like lever action, pump action and the auto loading operation soon followed by the Magnum version as well. The second was the model 101. The over-under shotgun, and it became a huge hit with the clay target and upload shooters alike. The third was a three hundred Winchester Magnum cartridge that came out. It filled an important performance gap between the two sixty-four and the three thirty-eight magnums. And finally, the introduction of the Grex granular plastic buffer. This dramatically increased, or sorry, decreased the deformation of the buckshot loads in the shotgun shells. 1964 would be very much like the previous year for Winchester with four more new rifle models introduced. The first was a model 70. This was more of a redesign so the rifle could adapt to changing marketplace. The second was the model 1400 auto loading shotgun and the pump action model 1200. The fourth model was a commemorative of the model 1894 this was produced for the Wyoming Diamond Jubilee this rifle remains among the rarest of all Winchester commemoratives so if you could ever get your hands on one of those bad boys you'd be a happy camper the wincher wincher (laughs) the Winchester double-a shot shell was introduced in 1965 this shell had a durable compression formed hull and it was ideal for reloading so it soon became the go-to shell for millions of clay shooters. 1965 also saw the introduction of the double X velocity game load. These had a buffed copper plated hard shot. 1966 marked the 100th year anniversary for Winchester, and to celebrate they created a anniversary edition rifle called the Model 66 Centennial. It was a Model 1894 that was gold-slash-tone-plated. The Model 190 autoloading rimfire rifle was introduced in 1967, and over time, more than 2 million of them were produced. The wind choke was introduced in 1969, which was the first interchangeable choke tube system on a factory shotgun. The NRA celebrated its 100th anniversary in 1971. So Winchester celebrated by introducing a special model 1894 musket with full-length stock and a Model 64 rifle with half-length magazine. A rimfire version of the Model 1894 was launched in 1972, and they called it the 9422 it helped to introduce a whole new generation to the Winchester lever action mystique. 1974 saw the Super X Model One, an auto-loading shotgun, the first of the Super X lineup. Another triple-hitter year for Winchester in 1976 that started with the nation's 200th anniversary. The bicentennial Model 1894 was introduced And it was finished with an antique silver receiver, special engraving, and an inlaid stock medallion. That sounds like a really nice rifle. Then a six-member team of trap shooters used six of the Super X Model 1s to set new world record of 24,000 thrown targets. They absolutely crushed the previous record by 9,000 targets. This was done all in one day. And finally, Winchester leads the industry by bringing out the first non-toxic steel shot loans. It's cool to see that Winchester has been able to stay innovative throughout all these decades. Some of their ideas that they brought out were actually really cool. In 1977, saw the formation of the Winchester Arms Collectors Association. This was a group of people that were devoted to preserving and understanding and collecting of the Winchester firearms. The Model 1300 pump action shotgun and Model 1500 auto loading shotgun were introduced in 1978. The same year saw the Model 23 side-by-side shotgun. This was the first in production, double, since the Model 21 became a custom order in 1960. The first match set of commemorative rifles were released in 1979. They paired a Model 1894 with a Model 94-22 Rimfire carbine. They had matching serial numbers along with a gold satin finish and special engraving. There was a thousand of these matching sets made. Something else to get your hands on. That would be so cool. Also in 1979, the silver-tip high-performance defense pistol ammo made its appearance. It came in either a 45 ACP or a 9mm caliber, ACP standing for Automatic Colt Pistol. Another industry standard was set in 1980 with the introduction of the one-ounce shotgun slug. Two major things happened in 1981. The first was... The Olin Corporation sells most of its Winchester division to U.S. Repeating Arms Company. Through a special trademark license agreement, they sell Winchester brand rifles and shotguns. Olin continues to sell the Winchester brand ammo. The second is NASA selected the use of the Winchester 209 shotgun primers, to initiate the separation and parachute recovery systems on the space shuttle and solid rocket booster engines that's pretty cool too to say that something of yours is on that space shuttle 1983 saw the introduction of the model 9422 which was a rimfire commemorative carbine for annie oakley the first winchester factory commemorative to honor a woman so a reproduction of the classic parker side by side was started in 1984 and ended in 1989. In 1985 Winchester was awarded the contract to operate the government Lake City Armory ammunition plant. This was located in Independence Missouri and over the next 15 years of operation would pump out over 8 billion rounds of mil-spec ammo. Another cool development was offered in 1986 when the Kevlar reinforced wind light synthetic stock was offered for the Model 70, another first for this rifle. The silver tip hollow point boat tail rifle ammo made its appearance in 1987. The leading item in the 1991 catalog was the Model 70 Custom Shop Super Grade with controlled round feeding. Winchester also introduced the Super XBRI Sabot Slug in 1991. It set a new standard for shotgun accuracy and terminal performance. Also in 1991, 90% of the ammo used in Desert Storm was supplied by Winchester facilities. 1992 saw the return of the pre-64 Model 70 to the general production In the same year, the Model 70 also came out with a stainless steel receiver and barrel and black synthetic stock, instantly making it a legend. 1993 was a crazy busy year for Winchester. The Model 70 custom sharpshooter was introduced. It had a Schneider stainless steel barrel and it came with a 1 MOA accuracy guarantee. This would be one of the world's first match-grade factory rifles. Now, to find out what MOA stands for, according to Google, an MOA uh, stands for minute of angle. In relation to firearms, accuracy refers to the capability that a rifle or firearm has to consistently deliver a grouping of shots at a particular distance. For example, one MOA equals at 100 yards is a group of one inch. One MOA at 200 yards is a two-inch group. At 300 yards is a three-inch group, and so on. So obviously that meant that this particular rifle is deadly accurate. Three rifles were introduced in 1993. The Model 12, the Model 42 pump shotguns, and the Model 52 Rimfire rifles that made the Winchester classic traditional line. 1993 also saw the introduction of the high performance, water resistance Super X Drylock Super Steel waterfowl shot shells. Whew. The Supreme failsafe rifle ammo also made its appearance in 1993. A new firearms factory was opened in 1994 for Winchester in New Haven, Connecticut. They had a cowboy costume rider walking up and down the aisles on opening day. 1995 to celebrate the one year anniversary of the model 1895 lever action was introduced in an engraved limited edition. Winchester gave clay shooters a performance edge in 1995 with the new a Super Handicap Shot Shell. Uh, if they're handicapped, should they be shooting? Anyway, 1996 saw the introduction of the optional Ballistic Optimization Shooting System, or BOSS for short. BOSS combined a barrel tuner and the choice of a ported muzzle brake or a non-ported weight This allowed the shooter to fine-tune their rifle to get maximum accuracy with just a twist of the wrist. The model 1892 lever action made its reappearance in 1997, along with the introduction of the supreme line of ultra-high-performance ammo. Winchester would start a new era of auto-loading shotguns in 1998 with the introduction of the Super X-2. For the first time since 1935, the Model 1886 rejoined the Winchester lineup in 1998. In a magnificent high-grade version, it was chambered to a forty five seventy government caliber. The U.S. shooting gun team brought Winchester as their official shot shell supplier in 1999. Incidentally, I just wanted to apologize to you guys if you happen to hear any noise in the background. I'm being put up in a hotel here for the next 28 days for work reasons. And they said the section I'm in is a, a relatively quiet one. And, uh, well, they lied. So I'm doing my best to keep the, uh, the noise in the background to a minimum. It's a really bad time, I guess, to expect quiet during the spring break. But we'll do the best we can. And thanks for understanding. On with the show. The new millennium had a really busy start. So in year 2000, the supreme over-under shotgun was introduced. It was made in Belgium and represented the worldwide sourcing of firearm product manufacturing that was under the Winchester brand. This was a well-balanced and smooth board rifle. The model 1885 low-wall rimfire rifle was reintroduced in 2000 as well. The Model 70 would be named the Bolt Action of the Century in the year 2000. And the year 2000 was also the year that the expert steel shot shells were introduced. The 9410 lever action shotgun made its debut in 2001. In the same year, the 300 WSM Winchester Winchester Short Magnum cartridge was introduced. This offered long action Magnum performance in a short action rifle. Supreme Partition Gold High Velocity Sabbat Slugs saw their debut in 2001 as well. Can you imagine if we had Sid the Sloth reading this out? <laughs> Supreme Partition Gold High Velocity Sabot Slugs saw their debut in 2001 as well. I'm sure I'd have to be wiping down the screen and the microphone every couple of minutes. And here we go again. In 2003, saw the unveiling of the WSSMs, the Winchester Super Short Magnums. <laughs> so there was a new generation of the Model 1894, and it had this top-tang-mounted sliding safety, and it was debuted in 2004 along with the Bond CT rifle ammo, and super super target shot shells. Oxford, Mississippi would become the new location of the new rimfire manufacturing plant. This would be one of the most state of the art facilities of the world in 2005 for center rifle and handgun ammo manufacturing. Three new world records were set by the Supreme X2 auto loader in 2005. 2006 would see the end of production of the Winchester brand firearms in the New Haven Connecticut plant. The Supreme Elite X3 rifle was introduced in 2006 as well as the Supreme extended range high-density turkey loads. The Model 101 is introduced in 2007. This rifle had the added benefits of a low-profile receiver and the Invector Plus interchangeable choke system. The over and under line has expanded over the years. Today's Model 101 is a proven mainstay in the world of over-unders. 2008 would see the return of the Model 70 again. This latest version or edition would be equipped with the latest three-lever MOA trigger system and an improved three-position safety. Lead-free ammo made its debut in 2008 under the name Winchester Supreme E-Tip. FBI-influenced technology was used in 2009 to create the PDX-1 Defender Personal Defense Handgun Ammo. And in 2010, this year saw the introduction of the Super X Pump, SXP, Shotgun, and the SXP offered all the latest technology that made Winchester pumps a favorite among sportsmen for generations. The SXP would offer all the latest technology that made Winchester pumps a favorite among sportsmen for generations. The same year, 2010, would also be the 200th birthday for Oliver Winchester. So a special model 1894 rifle was offered and limited edition collectible ammo as well. Winchester bind side steel ammo came out in 2011. It's hex shape shot and diamond cut wad was named Ammo Product of the Year by Outdoor Life and NRA American Hunter. 2012 saw the return of the legendary Model 71 lever action rifle to production. Razor bore XT Ammo also made its debut in 2012, Winchester's first ammo designed to hunt wild hogs. 2013 saw the introduction of the Model 1873 short rifle The 17 Winchester Super Magnum ammo makes its debut in 2013 as well, the first rimfire round in the world at 3,000 feet per second. 2014 was the year that Longbeard XR turkey hunting ammo made its appearance. Shotlock technology uses a liquid resin that hardens and keeps the shot perfectly round as it travels down the barrel. Two new world records were set that year at the NWTF Still Target Competition in Edgefield, South Carolina. A new ammo designed for new shooters was introduced in 2014. It was called Winchester's W-Train and Defend Ammo, which is matched up for use at a range and personal defense. The introduction of the XPR rifle came in 2015. It was the first new design of Winchester brand bolt-action center rifle cartridge in more than 50 years. It's a robust, reliable hunting rifle and it's expected to carry the brand for decades to come. Deer Season XP Rifle Ammo also came out in 2015. It has a larger polymer tip for better expansion. The AA shot shells would also Turn 50 in 2015. The engineers at Winchester were tasked to design a new rifle that used the latest cutting edge technologies. So in 2015, the XPR was created. This was a new bolt action rifle. Tough, reliable, accurate and high performance. This rifle is the beginning to a new generation of Winchester bolt action rifles. A few commemorative rifles made appearance in 2016, including the model 1866, Yellow Boy, which was the gun that started it all 150 years ago. 2017 saw the introduction of yet another Super X4 shotgun. The Super X auto-loading lineup of shotguns has a worldwide reputation for speed, reliability, and handling, It was a real challenge to outdo the Super X3, but the engineers at Winchester came through with a lighter, faster cycling, smoother swinging, and more aeronomic rifle than ever before. A 20 gauge version of the X4 was introduced in 2019. Lighter, trimmer, quicker. This version would be designed to be quicker to the shoulder and much more comfortable. 2019 was also the year that Winchester introduced that Wildcat Rimfire Loader. This rifle would be taking Rimfire Autoloaders to an all-new level. This proving that Winchester is still being innovative and cutting-edge after over a century in the firearm business. So that about sums up the history of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Pretty fascinating. I have to agree, they were very innovative and cutting edge. It's awesome to stay on top for so long. And the Winchester name obviously has been around forever. So now on to the little side note that I was telling you about. So imagine you have a majorly big empire such as Winchester. It's going to have to go to someone after you pass on. So, Sarah Winchester, who is Oliver's daughter-in-law, became the heiress of the massive, of this massive empire. But Sarah couldn't handle having all this wealth that was accumulated through the death of so many. It freaked her right out. When she inherited the estate, Sarah had moved from New Haven, Connecticut to San Jose, California, where she started to do some renos on the mansion she moved into. She felt she couldn't keep this blood money and needed to spend it as fast as possible, so she decided to build onto the mansion. Now, this is where it gets crazy. She had shifts of carpenters. 16 of them, to be exact, 16 carpenters, I should say, to be exact. She had them working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, from the year that she moved in, in 1886, to her death in 1922. This mansion she built was incredibly bizarre, with doors and stairs that led to nowhere. Stairs would disappear into the ceiling, Doors would have no opening on the other side. All these extra wings were added on here and there. The legend says that before the earthquake hit in 1906, the mansion had 200 rooms, 10,000 windows, 47 fireplaces, and 2,000 doors, trap doors, and spy holes. Sarah herself couldn't even identify the original eight rooms that were in the mansion when she started. She would hastily hastily sketch plans on napkins or brown paper for the carpenters to build. She would have them build it and then demolish and then build again. She had towers, cupolas, rooms that were created many of which made no sense or had no purpose, sometimes only to be plastered over the next day. In 1975, the workers found A new room. It had two chairs in it and an early 1900s speaker that fit onto a phonograph. The room had a uh, 1910 lock on it. She had apparently forgotten about the room and built over it. This mansion still exists in San Jose to this day and you can actually tour it. It's an amazing looking place. You can look it up on the internet and it's something I would definitely love to visit someday. Well my friends, this basically sums up the Winchester Repeating Arms Company podcast episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you're new here, welcome and I hope I was able to keep you entertained. And a huge thank you to those who keep coming back. So appreciate each and every one of you. I'm not sure what the next episode is going to entail, but I'll try to make it as good as all the rest. (laughs) Anyway, everyone, take care, and we'll see you on the next episode.